Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. A lot of things that are not good about college basketball. So what we had there was a culture war by proxy. She can ball. She can ball for real. So you had a lot of people being caring on behalf of Caitlin Clark. You can be very, very culturally clueless, if not downright racist. Had a chance to talk to Reverend Jesse Jackson. The elite trash talkers, they have no problem if you talk trash back to them. Just because you late to the party, it's not their fault. I have a bigger issue with Angel Reese and the players playing for Kim Mulkey than anything else. Are you taking shots at my city? You guys couldn't even keep a hockey team. That's hockey country. And you couldn't keep a hockey team. But you want to talk about downtown Houston. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two... And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh, mama, there goes that man. You know, ladies and gentlemen, the star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you have joined us for this episode. We have a lot in store for you, so welcome aboard. And I'll tell you all about what we have coming up. But first and foremost, want to welcome all of you who are joining us for the very first time. And we hope to become a part of your podcast menu. And we hope that you become a part of our community that we've created around the podcast. I'll tell you how to do that in just a second. But I also want to welcome all of those who listen to every episode, who comment, who call the sports line, who hit us up on Facebook. Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Thank you so much. And finally, welcome to all of those who are mourning the firing of Don Lemon from CNN. Welcome to you guys. Hang in there. It'll get better. I promise you. But nonetheless, that should take care of everybody. Welcome aboard. We have a good one. We have a lot to get into. But first, let me tell you how you can get involved and stay involved. You can call us 24 hours a day on the sports line. Sports line that we set up for you to call and record your comments, questions, requests, responses to what we have to say. Feedback, any feedback you have, 832-941-6614. Leave a message and you might end up on the next episode. 832. 832- 2941-6614. In addition to that, on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group, where you can uh, be a part of the group, post stuff, ask questions, answer poll questions, post the stuff about your favorite teams, talk trash, whatever you want to do. That's the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook. And finally, well, not finally, you can follow me on Twitter at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. And here's what's new. I am actively involved with posting on Instagram. So I'm going to give you guys more visual. I know people want the podcast to be on YouTube. And and this is what I want to do. And you guys can give me some feedback on any form that you like. But just reach out to me. How would you like to ingest the podcast? Do you want the visual? Is the visual important to you? Do you want the YouTube stuff? Or is this suffice? Do you like this? I mean, so for me, I listen because I'm on the move or I'm doing stuff and I have podcasts. The visual part is not as important, but I know a lot of people like the visual. So let me know. Give me some feedback on what we can do to improve or deliver the product in a way that is best for you. So you can do that on the sports line if you like. But uh, I will say this. I am posting more on Instagram. So that is a good thing. And uh, yeah, look forward to that because I'm learning about making reels and all of that stuff. 
And yeah, we'll do more of that content. So I, I'm a slow convert, but I am actually doing more on Instagram. And join me on Instagram, dwade909. That's dwade909. Now, this episode, we have some fun stuff coming up. We have a conversation with our guy, Reggie Brown from the Special Teams Unit. Great conversation about the NFL, NFL draft, some basketball stuff. Uh, we get into a lot of stuff. And you're going to want to hear that conversation. That's coming up a little bit later. We'll hit you with a few headlines. We will have our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, and we might just have a Lamont Award. So with all of that, let's get started with some headlines. And headlines, there are so many things to talk about, and we'll delve into some of all of this. Uh, the NBA playoffs, they keep churning right along. In addition to that, Major League Baseball, the Astros doing their thing. In addition to that, Aaron Rodgers finally becoming a New York Jets. And I have some comments on all of that stuff. But let's start with the NFL draft because we're less than 24 hours away from the draft. And I want to break my arm patting myself on the back because my unpopular opinion seems to have become popular, especially from media types, over the last few weeks. So months ago, I said this, and I meant this, and I did not mean this as an endorsement of Davis Mills, the current Houston Texans quarterback, but I said that the Houston Texans should draft Will Anderson because this team needs so much. You've invested in the back end in the secondary with Stanley Jr., and you've had some other guys back there doing their thing in the secondary. Young group that you've invested in. Why not help those guys out? sort of improve in two places by adding an edge rusher. And the guy that they talk the most about is Will Anderson, a guy with a high motor. Nick Saban has raved about this guy. And quite frankly, a quarterback, I don't see a quarterback in this draft that is transformative, that is a is a Trevor Lawrence. You, you don't see that guy. You don't see a Joe Burrow in this draft. I mean, you can make a case if you want to for – the resume of Bryce Young, but again, a little small. C.J. Stroud, but he has so much talent around him. Will Levis, Richardson from uh, Florida. You can make a case for all of those, but all those guys have some question marks. And so if you are a team with a brand-new defensive head coach and D'Amico Ryans who has, has come from San Francisco where that team invested in defense, and obviously they did invest in Trey Lance. That didn't work out. But even in spite of that, they have gone to deep in the playoffs to the NFC Championship and to the Super Bowl with Garoppolo and Brock Purdy leading the way to the NFC Championship game before getting knocked out. So they looked at it like, okay, we have all this talent around the quarterback. The quarterback, although, again, they invested in Trey Lance, is not the important factor to have the kind of success we want to have. Now, again, you can look at the best teams in the NFL, and aside from San Francisco, and, and Jalen Hurts, I think he stepped up during the course of the playoffs. But outside of that, you have some very successful teams with high-powered quarterbacks. Do you think there's a Pat Mahomes among those four quarterbacks? If you do, you draft a quarterback. If you think, obviously, Bryce Young will probably be off the board, although the rumor mill is going crazy saying Will Levis might just go number one overall. Not really buying that. But do you feel that strongly about any of these guys? Do you see a Trevor Lawrence in this? Do you see a Josh Allen? Do you see a Joe Burrow in this draft among those four guys? If not, why not go Will Anderson 
and get a guy on the edge that can apply some pressure, sort of get these quarterbacks moving around, and maybe help those guys on the back end of the secondary. So when I said that, everybody's like, no, 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 you got to go with the quarterback. And you can go back to KTSU Sports Talk and probably one of the podcasts where I said, hey, we don't necessarily, and I mean we, they, don't, don't have to necessarily go with a quarterback because you do have some goodwill in the bank with a brand-new head coach. Sometimes you, 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 when you pick that high up and you don't have a quarterback, the, the instinct and, and the, the reflex is to, uh, you know, let's get a, a face of the franchise. Well, again, this team won't really benefit year one, two, maybe three from any of these four quarterbacks, I don't think. Now, I know there are question marks about Will Anderson. He doesn't have a lot of moves. He plays high. He may not pan out. But you can do some things to help him. A guy with a motor and a guy that is a hard worker and a high-character guy, you can find ways to help this team. If you pick the wrong quarterback, that sets you back a while. And so, again, I looked at the list here. The Texans have the second pick, the 12th pick, the 33rd pick, and the 64th and 73rd pick in the first three rounds. So my thought was, okay, take Will Anderson in that 12th, you take Richardson. Richardson may not be there. Seattle, what, what they decide to do, whether they decide to draft the quarterback or not, will kind of dictate what is available at 12. Now, here's where you can get stuck if you are the Texans. What you can get stuck in is a situation where you feel like, okay, we'll pass on a quarterback, but we do want one of these four. Do we have to trade up to make sure we get one of the four that are available, meaning you may have to go from 12 to maybe seven. Do you want to do that? And then you are in a position where you're giving up picks or do you let the chips just fall where they may and hope that one of those guys is there. If not, maybe go trade back and find another guy you're comfortable with or sign a free agent or just get through this year at the quarterback position. Whatever they decide to do, I think they will really believe it. And if they really believe it, I'm going to trust, not necessarily Nick Casario, but I will trust D'Amico Ryans and the direction that he has to go in. I'm going to trust that until otherwise proven wrong. Give me your thoughts on that, 832-941-6614. You know, C.J. Stroud's stock seems to be dropping. But here's the thing about the draft, and you guys know this from experience, that it really doesn't matter what you hear, what rumors you hear, because a lot of this is designed to keep people excited about it. If you're ESPN, Aaron Rodgers, uh, up until, I guess, yesterday or whatever, day before yesterday or whatever, hadn't been traded. We knew it was going to happen. There's only so much you can say about that. The NBA playoffs, yeah, you can talk about the playoffs. It's still the first round, although the, these have been very exciting first-round matchups. Not entirely but there have been some exciting series and we'll talk about those but in addition to that baseball still relatively early in the season so what do you do to captivate interest in the nfl you, you know when you know that carolina's already traded for the number one pick so you don't have to worry about all these teams trying to get the number one pick the number one pick is secured and it looks like for the longest the number one pick was going to be bryce young 
I still think that's the case. So what do you do if you're ESPN or the NFL Network or Fox Sports? You say, wait a minute. Well, what if we're hearing that this guy's moving up the board and we hear that this guy's falling? And sometimes those things pan out. But other times it's just smoke and mirrors because no team is really wanting to give up strategically their intent. So there you have it. So a lot of this stuff, all the Will Levis talk, the C.J. Stroud, it, it may be as simple as Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, the same as it's been since January. But we'll see how it plays out. Give me your thoughts on the Sports Talk page. What direction would you go? I'll post a poll question. You can respond to that or give us a call on the sports line and let us know. Let's talk about the NBA playoffs. Man, NBA playoffs got a little bit more exciting for Boston last night. As they really were in position for a gentleman's sweep, four games one over Atlanta. But Trey Young had other ideas, and really Boston seemed like they took their foot off the gas pedal. But I think these playoffs have been a lot about, and it's been so odd, guys missing through injuries and suspension. We had Draymond suspended. I said this on Sports Talk, didn't have a chance to comment on the podcast. Would not have suspended him for the step. I get the antics afterwards that just went on and on, and I get it. I'm not happy about it. I would like the NBA to stay out of it. But, you know, Draymond garners that kind of attention, that negative attention, and they wanted to send a message. DeJounte Murray is another guy who you can't touch the reps. So he had to go. He sat down, and despite that, Atlanta won. Now they're going back to Atlanta for game six. Celtics should close that out. It will be a major shock. But I think the issue is, man, you look at the the Clippers-Phoenix series. That could have been so great, 4-5. But Paul George didn't play. And then, of course, Kawhi Leonard didn't play. And now it turns out he has a meniscus tear. And I will say this. He easily could be my favorite player in a long, long time. I love the way he plays on both ends of the floor. There are a lot of things I love about Kawhi Leonard. It's just unfortunate that injuries and whatever else is going on around him has prevented him from being a really the heir to the throne or uh, the biggest competitor in this part of the LeBron era to LeBron. He's that special. He's that good. He's done his thing, and he's done his without saying too many words to anybody. Now, of course, we know about the laugh, but as, as far as like being a presence with what he says, it all comes with what he does on the court, not what he says. So that's been unfortunate. And because of that, Westbrook played a great series, but he couldn't beat the Phoenix Suns on his own, although they stayed kind of close in, in a couple of those games. But the Phoenix Suns will move on to face the Denver Nuggets, the most underrated team. I'm telling you, man, this, that is going to be the series that may determine who is going to win the NBA championship. But let's talk about the Lakers and the Grizzlies. I think this is a team where your maturity has come back to hurt you. <laughs> I mean, you talk about Dylan Brooks, and his name will come up a little bit later on. But also, I mean, Moran has gotten hurt. And I just think that you talk about young teams. We had this discussion. And I asked the fellas, Ralph Cooper and Kevin Allen, who do you trust? Because, I, uh, you know, every team has question marks. You look at Golden State and their troubles on the road, and can they overcome early season adversity with Draymond punching pool? Can they overcome that stuff? Can you trust them to flip the switch and be who they were last season? Can you trust LeBron and can you trust AD to stay healthy? 
in L.A. Can you trust Denver to show up and, and really elevate their game? Can you trust the Memphis Grizzlies? Can you trust, I mean, really, Kevin Durant and Chris Paul and Devin Booker coming together? Can you trust those guys? You ask yourself, okay, who can you really buy into? And the Grizzlies were one of those question marks, and it hadn't panned out for them, although there's more left. As we speak, they're playing, so let's see if uh, they can uh, do something in that series. But John Moran has been a little banged up, and you know we'll, we'll have to see if the Lakers can remain consistent because it's all about really AD, essentially. So we'll have to see. looks like the Lakers are in great position to move forward. The Warriors and the Sacramento Kings, man, I have been – Thoroughly impressed by the entertainment value of this series. And I just did not see Sacramento. I mean, you couldn't ignore what they did in the regular season, but I'm a big proponent of, because of history and how, you know, the era I grew up in, you have to kind of go to the playoffs, understand what that experience is like, get banged around and beat up a little bit, put out pretty early, and then you come back and the next year you're better. You tweak your, your roster. You work out, you do your thing, and then you make your move the next couple of seasons and until you ultimately get to the NBA championship. We saw that with the Detroit Pistons. We saw that with the Chicago Bulls. We saw that with a lot of teams. We talked, saw it with the Houston Rockets. You take your lumps. You're better. You understand what the playoffs are like. You understand what, what, what it takes to be a champion, and then you get there. And, you know, so I always sort of wrote the Kings off. But Houston's own De'Aaron Fox, man, he's doing his thing. Although, again, he has a finger issue. We'll have to see how much that affects him uh, tonight. But, man, they have been impressive no matter what happens moving forward. But the biggest thing is, can the Warriors go on the road and get a game? They have to get one of these games, either five or game seven in Sacramento. Can they do it in that raucous environment? We'll have to see. Give me your thoughts on that, 832-941-6614. There are other things that are going well. But I think, again, you talk about, look at all of the guys who have missed or may miss time. Giannis, that's affecting that series. You know, John Morant, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Draymond with the suspension, DeJounte Murray, suspension. So, man, it's, it's crazy. And then with all of these upsets that are pending, what does that do for the regular season? Doesn't that hurt the regular season even more? I mean, does that? I mean, if you have a six seed beating a three seed and an eight seed in the East possibly beating a one seed, which they're up three one, and then you have a seven seed beating a two seed, what are we really talking about here when it comes to, I mean, you know, when it comes to seeding? What what does that mean? I mean, I guess it just means, I don't know. It's tough because it, it means nothing. If, I mean, it just it it really solidifies the fact that postseason basketball and regular season basketball almost two different sports. And I know a lot of it has to do with who's playing, you know, who's hot down the stretch and who is healthy in the playoffs. But why would you care, unless you're just a, a, just a huge basketball fan, why would you care about a regular season game in the middle, November or December or February? Why would you care? And another thing about that is guys don't play. These matchups that we anticipate, guys miss games. You never know who's going to show up and play. And the undependability of these players is really affecting the bottom line. And I don't know what the NBA can do to make the regular season more intriguing. Because it's just, these are two different sports. They don't even match one another. 
So give me your thoughts on that. Going to take a brief time out, come back on the other side, and uh, have some comments about the, the Houston Astros and Ime Odoka. And uh, then we have our conversation with Reggie Brown, and we have a Lamont Award for the big dummy of the episode. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages 6 weeks to 5 years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. The Houston Astros are starting to round in the shape. A big win last night against the Tampa Bay Rays, the hottest team in baseball. They were 20 and 3. The Astros came in, Luis Garcia. Balled out. Can't rock the baby anymore because of the baseball rules. <laughs> and uh, he's sort of showing up his wind up and can't do all of that movement that he was accustomed to doing. But he had a, a great game last night, and they beat Tampa Bay. Shut him out at home 5 nothing for their first home loss of the season. So they finally got over 500. They're not where you want them to be. But, again, it's early, and Michael Brantley had a, a rehab assignment in Sugarland, so he's he'll be back soon. And although Jose Altuve won't be back for a while, his replacement, Mauricio Debon, is balling out a 19, maybe by the time you hear this, a 20-game hitting streak. This guy has been incredible. Corey Jokes is another guy who stepped up. You have a lot of guys who have not been a part of this team that are stepping up in a big way. Jose Abreu is, is rounding in the shape, replacing Yuri Gurriel. I mean, so this is a really, really good organization. Still, Lance McCullers is yet to play. We have some time before he'll be back. But you talk about Dubon's uh, hitting streak, 19 games longest before. He tied the longest hitting streak before May 1st in franchise history. Uh, ever since Bob Watson in 1973, he's batting 325. So I don't know what you're going to do with that bat when Altuve is ready to come back. But, boy, how about this young man doing his thing? And Jordan Alvarez, who came back from Tampa with some sort of injury to his neck, hadn't heard the latest on that. But he's been incredible. He had a couple game winners in Atlanta. He is hes that dude you have to enjoy these guys while you can, but you definitely want to check out the Astros. We'll uh, talk more Astros coming up. We'll have some folks on to talk about the Astros. In addition to that, uh, the Roughnecks are going to the West, no, the Southern Conference, the South Conference Championship on Saturday. I'll be there for that. So a little XFL action, and the USFL is going on as well. So, man, you know, it's a lot going on. Ime Adoka is the new head coach for the Houston Rockets. Great hire. Great that we can get him here in Houston. We as in the city of Houston. Because what he did in Boston, I mean, on the court, 
or with the team or with the team on the court, <laughs> not the organization, was, was fantastic. And obviously he had some personal stuff that went on, not for me to judge, got caught up, sounds like. Ugly situation, of course, a famous Hollywood wife, and uh, that all went up in flames. And uh, unfortunate situation for his personal life. On the court, I think obviously he deserves a chance to do his thing. I mean, you don't you know lose your career because of an affair you've had within the organization, even if it's with a subordinate. He got the counseling. He has had to do the work. And the NBA was comfortable with him coming to Houston and not, you know, sort of no impediments in uh, in the pathway of his hiring or being hired by another franchise. And I think all in all, it's a great move for the Houston Rockets. And we'll just have to see if he can get these young guys to buy in. He clearly got work done in Boston and he has a resume that he can go to these young guys and he's young enough that he can communicate and connect with these guys in ways that um, I think his resume helps in ways that Steven Silas's resume didn't help. So there's that. So uh, uh, we'll talk more about that, obviously, as we get closer to next basketball season. But yeah, a lot more to be determined with that organization between now and and the tip next season. So we'll get into that and uh, at some point uh, have more conversation around that. The other thing, Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets, that's another just superstar quarterback in the AFC. It'll make things intriguing, but, boy, it'll be hard to imagine. I mean, can he get it done in that division? Can he beat Miami? And more importantly, Buffalo and New England. I mean, yeah, they're not any good, but they're still – New England, and they're going to win some games. Can you come out of that division? And then when you come out of that division, you have Cincinnati and maybe Baltimore if they can get the Lamar Jackson situation worked out, waiting for you. Maybe let's see what Deshaun has left. Have we written him off too soon in Cleveland? Then if you get past those guys in the north, you got to go out west. And then you have the Chargers, which, again, you can't really buy into the Chargers. And then you have – the Raiders, and then, of course, the big dog, Kansas City. They're out there. And then in the South, you have the upstarts in Trevor Lawrence and that defense in Jacksonville. Can you come out of the AFC? I think that's the biggest thing. I don't see the Jets making noise. And just like the New York Knicks, I don't care about the Jets or the Knicks or anything in New York. I don't think the league needs them. They'll tell you, oh, the NBA is so much better when the Knicks are good. And when the Jets are good in the in, in the NFL and you had the number one media market, you don't need that. You don't need that. The Knicks haven't been good in a generation or two. So you don't you don't need that. And if they want that, that's fine because anything in New York is like the greatest thing ever if it's New York to New Yorkers. But that's an aside. Going to take another break, come back on the other side, and we will have our conversation with Reggie Brown. But first, a word from my sponsor and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. This is Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anyway, you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by 
using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. DJ Anna. Check him out on Instagram and on SoundCloud. And, of course, around Houston doing his thing. It's a vibe. But uh, if you guys want your music heard, if you're a fledgling artist or a DJ and you want to be heard on this podcast, just email us. Music at wagewordproductions.com. Music at wagewordproductions.com. The genre doesn't matter. We'll play a snippet at the halfway point or an entire track and an entire track or an extended part of a mix at the end of the episode. So music at wagewordproductions.com. Shoot that to us, and we'll try to get your music heard by the thousands of folks who listen to this podcast, which, by the way, has not been coming out as frequently as I would like. We are working on constantly working on things, on, on methods and ways to get to you more and more effectively in ways that you want to ingest and digest the product. So, again, that feedback always helps. And those comments help me, especially on Apple. Comment on the podcast. Those things are are important to us. So if you get an opportunity, please comment, share, like, and call the sports line. A couple things. You want to talk about the biggest competitive event in America? It's not the Super Bowl. It's not the World Cup, the NBA Final Final Four. None of that. It's presidential race. Biden has uh, thrown his old hat into the ring, and although you may not feel good about it, probably ought to support this dude and do it with your chest, because if not, they'll have us in the dark ages around this piece, and they're constantly taking rights. You better fight. I don't care how good you feel about it. Hey, you know, you might have a kid that's playing a sport, and your kid is not that good, but guess what? You better support that kid, because he's your kid. And so that's what we're facing. And, of course, at some point, we'll mix in some political talk. Not this episode, but, you know, at some point, we do things like that from time to time. Try to keep it interesting. I try to scratch my intellectual itches on on these podcasts sometimes. So with that, uh, let's get into our conversation. Oh, by the way, condolences to the uh, friends, family, and fans of Harry Belafonte who passed away. Important people that are leaving the earth that have not been replaced in the world of music and art, using those platforms to really consistently help shape a narrative to uh, get us to a better place. We need our artists to do that. 
our comedians, our musicians, people like, oh, you, I don't, I don't want to hear. I just want to, you know, just do your job, just act. No, we need those people because those people helped affect social change in the past, and yeah, we need them to do so again. So let's get into our conversation with a guy who, uh, of course, you know by now, has been on the special teams unit, been a part of this podcast for a while now. Reggie Brown is that conversation. How are you this afternoon? All is well, man. Just excited about this offseason. A lot going on. It's a lot going on everywhere, and we're going to get into some of it. We got baseball, Astros starting to turn things around. We got the NBA playoffs, and we have the NFL draft. And lo and behold, we have the Houston Roughnecks. <laughs> so I don't think we're going to talk much about them, but we're rooting for them on Saturday. Well, at least, you know, I am rooting for them on hey. Saturday. Hey, man, you got to root for the home team, man. I, I'm going to go out. I think I'm going to go out. I was at the, the opener, and I think I'm going to go out to the is it the Western Conference Championship for the XFL. So, yeah, I'll be there for that. So we'll Hey, man, well, 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 you know, let's do it like we used to do it back in the day one more time. Man, if I did it like we used to do it, <laughs> I wouldn't be doing much for a few days after that. <laughs> So, <laughs> you got, you still got one more in you, dog. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel like that, but I had some, well, I ain't gonna get into the vino thing, but the vino, the, the vino doing me in, man, the red wine doing me in a little bit, but nonetheless, uh, I digress. Hey, 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 like they say, my mind's telling me, but my body. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I think it's the reverse, right? <laughs> your mind is saying yes, and your body saying no. Nah, hold up. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but no, yeah. man, so a lot going on the NFL draft, and there's a lot of discussion. And this is crazy. In in this era of Twitter and social media and Reddit, I don't know if you caught this today, but now the odds of Will Levis being the number one crazy. overall pick have gone from 50 to 1 down to 10 to 1. Like somebody somewhere has some inside information that Carolina – is going to go against the grain against everything that you've heard for all of these months and pick Will Levis. I thought it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to take Bryce Young. What do you think about the rumor mill leading into the NFL draft? Well, I, I think a couple of things. One is I think that people put stuff out there to give, you know, so they don't give somebody an unfair advantage, want to try to trick people. I would be shocked. You know, I hate to say it, but if he was drafted first, that would have to be one of them colorism things. I just have to tell the truth because uh, I think he's a good quarterback. I think he could be successful, but to be the number one pick in the draft. Uh, I don't know what the reasoning will be behind any of that. I know for me, when I'm picking quarterbacks, I would pick Levis first. Fourth, I think I would take right. the, the potential of Richardson before him. I, I'm not really it, like at the number two spot. If I'm the Texans, I'm not really comfortable with taking any of those quarterbacks. So I'm gonna make you GM for a day. You, uh, Nick Casario Brown <laughs> or Reggie Casario. What do you do with that number one, the uh, number two pick rather, if you are the Houston Texans? And let's go with the the premise that Bryce Young will be the number one pick. I think that. I get the next best available player, whoever they think that is. I think it's Will Anderson. So that's the guy I'm taking because, you know, the Texans are 
in full out uh, rebuild mode. You don't want to make a mistake. So you take the best and the safest picking. Now, I don't think you can lose with that guy. And I've been saying this for months, and, and you can check with Haywood because Haywood and I argued about this. He's like, you got to take the quarterback. You have to take no. the quarterback. And I think under certain circumstances, I think teams are kind of pushed in that direction. I think if you go back to the origins of the Houston Texans, they will, you, you want the face of the franchise, so you start the franchise with a quarterback. Was he, in retrospect, obviously he was not a franchise quarterback, but David Carr was your number one overall pick because you had to have that guy that could shake hands and kiss babies and sell season tickets. I think this is a little bit different in that D'Amico Ryans has a lot of sort of goodwill in the bank. I think the, the fan base will go with him. I think a lot of people will be mad at first, but I think if you look at where he came from, I think a lot of people would be okay with him if he went Will Anderson. What do you think? Well, I, I think the question is, was David Carr a bad quarterback or did he come to a new team that was building and you build with a rookie quarterback who's trying to learn the NFL and so he gets just beat down and then he's not successful and we call him a bust. And that's the thing that you want to, avoid and i think so many franchises make that mistake of trying to say we got to get the faces of the team well how about let's build our team and be solid and then bring the quarterback in who we like um and i think that so many young quarterbacks are destroyed because they're forced in these situations to have to play have to play early and then have to play on really really bad football teams and consequently they look bad and then they're labeled a bust and I think there's a recent history of, of quarterbacks that did not perform well that were picked really high in the draft. You want to talk about Zach Wilson and Sam Darnold, um, yes. maybe Baker Mayfield. I mean, there are a lot of guys who who didn't pan out. I think if you look at the San Francisco model, and, and this is why I went with this a long time ago. People think that that was an endorsement of Davis Mills, and it wasn't really about Davis Mills. It's about the, the fact that you're not going to win anyway. So let's go ahead and build this team from the bottom up, like you said. So so let's say Will Levis is number one and Bryce Young is available. Does that change your opinion at all? No, I just don't think you take a quarterback right now. I think that every year there's going to be quarterbacks who are deemed. You think about it this way. Is there any quarterback that you say in this draft is they can't miss? Right. And I think all of them have questions. I think C.J. Stroud makes the strongest case. However, he has such talent at receiver. I mean, it's easy to look good when you have uh, uh, what Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, out there doing work. Well, and and you look at it, you say, why not build a team and then bring a quarterback along? These guys have all of these questions. I mean, quite frankly, I think that. Given some time to sit on the bench, you know, and learn, AR might be the best one of them all, right? Right. Given some time to learn the NFL game. I mean, when you talk about tubes, athleticism, all of those things, he probably grades out the highest. But he's also probably the least ready to actually play in the NFL game. So I, I just believe that forcing these guys into this situation is, is just tough. And particularly when you got a team like the Texans that still got a lot of pieces that they need to be successful. 
Yeah, I will say this: they maybe a little bit better off on the offensive line than, than I mean, obviously than the David Carr years. But I don't think they're horrible on the offensive line. But I think, like I said, there's so many other pieces. Now, would you give any thought to trading that second pick down, trade down a little bit, and maybe pick up a, another high draft pick somewhere else, and then take whoever's left, whether whether it's Richardson. Or Levis at seven or eight. Would you consider doing something like that? Hey man, I would drive. I, I would trade back and get a few, and then I trade back again and get a few more. Again, uh, this is about with an organization that's in a full out rebuild about getting as many quality players as you can. And there's no rush, and there's a lot of good guys. I think this overall, and you tell me what you think about this. This is one of those drafts where there's a lot of good players, but I don't know how many great players there are. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that the guy that I would be most excited about would be probably Will Anderson. And I will, and, and, and there are a lot of guys when you examine you're like, man, that would be a good addition to the team, but will it be like a ultimate game changer? I don't I don't see those guys other than, you know, another guy I like, but there's a lot of character questions, a lot of a lot of sort of uh, work ethic questions around Jalen Carter. He, right. You got to kind of stay away from him a little bit because you don't know how this guy's going to act when he gets that money. So, you know, they're projecting him to go to Detroit. I, I, I just, with everything being involved, look, I wouldn't, I, I just have to be one of those teams that he can get revenge on if he turns out to be the player that, that he can be in the league. Well, let me ask you about your Miami Dolphins. Uh, what do you think uh, there? Well, I think uh, a lot is going to depend on what happens as we go through the draft. You know, there's a lot of talk about Dalvin Cook. So does something happen um, on day one? You know, we don't have a first-round draft pick. So what happens on day one that leads to some things happening on day two? So um, there's a lot of things, you know, going on, like I said, about Dalvin Cook. But, you know, I like the tight end. A couple of those tight ends, Darnell Washington is one of them that I really, really like. Um, you know, we're in heavy need of a, a middle linebacker. I think we're positioned to do what most teams should be wanting to do, and that is get the best player available. You have a strong nucleus of a football team, and so there are some positions of need. But you can really go best player available on your board, and I think that'll be good for the Dolphins. What do you think of the the discussions of Tua? What Tua said, you know, he sort of contemplated retirement. Any thoughts about that? I mean, obviously, I mean, that's only natural, I would think, given the severity of his situation. But were you surprised? Any surprises from the, uh, the the Dolphin faithful as it pertains to that? I'm surprised how honest he is. The guy is just a good guy. And if you ask him a question, you're going to get an honest answer. And um, I'm not sure if I would have been that honest. Although I can tell you, when I was in college and I had pretty serious knee surgery, I contemplated giving up football, right? Because your life is on the line. So to say that most players contemplate their longevity in the sport when they have a injury so that's normal to say it is a whole nother thing so i applaud him for his honesty i just think that 
you know, I would have told a lie, just to be honest. <laughs> I mean, what does that do for the franchise when contemplating a, a move for depth at quarterback or a future quarterback? Do, do you think that sort of hastens uh, the examination of the that position for the future? No, I, I don't. Because, again, I think that with Tua, it's going to come down to how many more concussions are you going to have you know the the if i'm the dolphins you uh, clearly have to have a contingency plan maybe you draft to continue to um draft quarterbacks in the late rounds of hoping to find a diamond in the rough and hopefully you know one of them hits we did it last year with Skyler thompson you know maybe this year in the sixth or seventh round you take another quarterback and you keep taking these flyers and stashing them and then you know, if something happens, you got something. But the thing about the NFL is on any given play, right, you can lose your quarterback. Yeah, you know, the, yeah. it's a brutal sport. and uh, Not as brutal uh, as it used to be, but, yeah, point taken. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, they wiser, but they weaker, that's for sure. And, uh, <laughs> that's, a good, yeah, that's a good way to look at it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, they don't, you know, the, the pounding that we took, you know, I see some things going on in the NFL. I'm like, for real, bro. <laughs> like, for real. Yeah. But it is what it is. And uh, it's good that, you know, you could almost call us crazy, old school, for enduring all of that punishment uh, when you didn't have to do that. But that was the game, and everybody understood it. So that it is what it is. But, so, yeah, I want, let's, let's, let's go on this limb for a little while because, again, this is an interesting discussion for from a former player. Because we were taught the game a certain way. And I know that we are on the wrong side of history. I, I know we are. But isn't it hard to sort of recalibrate how you look at the game? Because, I mean, we were taught that part of the game was physical intimidation across the middle, safeties, taking heads off. I mean, all the stuff that you cannot even imagine doing these days. How hard has it been for you as a player to recalibrate how you view the game and and not have that nostalgia for the old days. It's it's a topic of conversation for sure. And and I will just tell you that I love the way that we played the game. I I just love the fearlessness. I love the amount of heart that you had to have. I love the competitive spirit that you don't shake hands with the opponent, even if he your boy. You do that in February or March. I just love the way that we approach the game. Um, my wife often tells me that I'm jealous <laughs> of these young players because they're making millions and millions of dollars and they get to do all of these things. But I, I will tell you, the money aside, and as reckless and abusive as it was to my body, I wouldn't change, man, the era that I played in. I mean, I love the blood, sweat, and tears. I love the get down, beat down, balls to the walls, don't give up, no fear, all of that, man, that when you step between those lines, it was my color versus your color, and that's it. And, and, and I look at this, and you, you, how much pride as a NFL receiver did you take, and, and even at being one of the, the top SWAC receivers, 
How much pride did you take in your bravery to catch balls when you knew you were gonna take a lick? No fear. I mean, did you, you know, take a lot of pride in that aspect yes, of your game? Yes, yes. I, I I took the the pride came from I'm willing to do what most people won't do, and I'm knowingly because that's what courage is, right? I think that that's what's lacking in society as a whole is courage to do the right things, to say the right things. to, to And so on the football field, guys who played in my era, they had courage to go across that middle knowing that danger was waiting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> knowing that Ronnie Lott was lurking and you still go. That water, and, Chuck Cecil, and I mean yes. Scott Cakes. It was some big hit yes. safeties. It was a bunch of them. Yeah, and and, and you know I, I think uh, football is such a it's so you know telling for society, right? It, it sort of it, a microcosm. Uh, uh, yeah, it's such a microcosm, and you see things in football. You know, you get knocked down. But are you going to get up? And then in this society, in the game now, is such a microcosm. You know, you look at it now, and it's the YMCA. Everybody wins. And, <laughs> and all of these different things that go on, you can almost trace them to the football field of you, know, you can make parallels for sure when you think about yes. expanded playoff rosters. Oh, don't hit him so hard. And yes. oh, you can't do that. And, you know, yes. but on the yes. flip side, let me ask you this because you know, very in, in, in a very serious way, that a lot of your teammates and former opponents are suffering physically in ways that these guys probably won't. Does that? I mean, obviously, that has to change your your perspective a little bit. In that, you you know your guys, and, and even you have some a lot of physical ailments. How does that factor into the equation for you when you think about it? There's a price to pay, man. I've had two ACLs, broke ankles, broke nose, concussions. I've given my body to a sport I love, and I would do it all over again. And not so much because of being able to play in the NFL, right? But because of you go through something to get something, to achieve something, and you pay the price for it. And to me, you know, I try to instill that in my daughters, paying a price for something. Because if somebody gives it to you, you don't respect it. But when you work, you blood, sweat, and tears, you go across that middle, you take the bumps and bruises, you know how to get up. I'm Dr. Brown now because I played in the NFL and I played the game of football and I know what perseverance is. I'm the principal of a school because I know what perseverance is. I know what it is to get knocked down and get back up. I know how to work through and work over and under things to achieve success. And so for me, those lessons, you know, as as tough it is, as it has been on my body, I wouldn't change it for the world. Man, just uh, awesome. Make me, you know, want to play again. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you this story. So I had a chance to – I don't know if you've ever had this experience since you stopped playing. And obviously I didn't make it to the league. I didn't, I didn't make it anywhere close to where you guys made it. But I was talking to Deacon Jones. Before he wow. passed away, had an interview wow. with him. Yeah, think about wait a minute, wait a minute. You just can't say I was talking to Deacon Jones. 
and pass that by. Oh man, it was. <laughs> it, it, I'm gonna elaborate because I, think about this. I have interviewed the greatest wide receiver of all time, Jerry, Jerry Rice. Rice, and uh-huh. this was at the first his first homecoming. After uh, he retired, he came to Valley for the first time since he was wow. at Valley, and we got wow. him. I kind of had played, you know, sort of finesse my way into having him come up to the booth because are you are you slick, man? <laughs> so I, I had him. So I had a, 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 a produce. Actually, it was not a, it was somebody in sports information. I had him go down, and I said, "Well, just just tell Jared, you know, I, I you know, I covered him." So I know him, you know, from Houston. I mean, when we he was in Houston at the time, he had just retired from Oakland, so he was there. I think earlier that year in the summertime before he retired from, I think it was Oakland, and they had yeah. a uh, a practice here where they had a joint one of those joint practices, and you got a chance to see him. But you know, I sort of made it sound like, oh yeah, I'm your guy, you know. And he relayed that, and I don't think he obviously he he thought I was somebody, but he. Obviously, once he got there, he realized <laughs> hey, he didn't man, know me. Hey, you somebody. You Kevin Wade. Shit. He, mean, didn't shit. Know, he didn't know that. <laughs> so, anyway, I interviewed him. I interviewed who I think is probably the greatest football player of all time in Jim Brown. Wow. But I would tell you this, and tell me if you've had this experience before. Deacon Jones, when I was talking to him and hearing him talk about the game, have have you ever heard somebody since you retired talk about the game and you just kind of break out in a sweat and your, your heart yes. starts to beat and you're like, oh, man, oh, I feel it. I, I, I'll run through a wall with you know once Deacon Jones hey. starts talking. Hey, Ernest Givens. Ernest came to my school to talk to some kids for me, did a phenomenal job. And we went back to my office and we start reliving them all the days. And man, by the time he was finished talking, man, I was like, shit, I need a helmet. Man. I need one right now. I need one right now. Run one more route. Yeah. 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 You, yeah, you talk yeah. about one of the but, toughest guys ever, though. That Ernest Gibbons, hey, man. EG, man. Hey, yeah, man. That's what I tell you. Underrated, unsung, man. He really he, is. And, and but you know you go back to Deacon Jones, man. His patented move. I don't know if you know what that is. The head slap. He, <laughs> the, he just slapped the crap at you. I mean, I'm just. Gonna, <laughs> he just slapped the hell out you, man. I don't know if you That's ever read good. his book. You need to find his book, man. Great book, and it's called Head Slap. And it talks about his time in, in like Florida, and then and he, you know, his his time at HBCU and and yeah, all. Of oh yeah. You know that's my homeboy, man. You know them Florida boys, something serious now. He's from somewhere up in the middle of Florida. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, yeah, I read his book, though, yeah, many years ago. But before we get out of here, I do want to shift gears. Man, it's a great conversation, by the way. But I do want to shift gears and ask you about the NBA. The Rockets have a new head coach, Emil Doka. Uh, what do you think about the hire? Obviously, his uh, tenure was successful on the court, and I don't know what standard you're judging, but I guess it was successful off the court (laughs) in a wrong kind of way. Ran him out of Boston, but, I mean, no doubt about what he did in Boston with uh, with that team to get them to the NBA Finals. What do you think about the Rockets hire? Well, hire the secretaries. We're going to start with (laughs) that. 
That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, wh- why are you ask me them type of questions? Oh. You know my response. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hide your secretaries first. But other than that, I thought he did a great job. You and I had this conversation, you know, offset. But, um, you know, part of the NBA coaching job is to take these exceptional athletes and get them on the same page. And when you you said that yesterday, I got a really chance to, you know, reflect on that. And you taught me something yesterday that I really hadn't contemplated. And, you know, he did a great job of just getting Brown to, you know, to be able to, to play, play with Tatum. With yeah. That, yeah, with Tatum and how he handled that team. So before he came along, remember they were saying these two guys can't coexist. They can't go. They can't have the ultimate success together. They were really contemplating breaking those two up. And then he comes along mid season when they still were kind of struggling. You look up, these guys are playing in the NBA finals. Yeah. So I think that, you know, I think he's a good hire. The only question for the Rockets is they got a couple of good pieces do you believe, this is a question for you, do you believe they have that guy? Because the NBA is always about having that guy. You're not going to win an NBA championship without that one guy, that alpha male, who is either the best person on the court or one of the best persons on the court. So do you think the... Uh, Rockets have that guy. Well, okay, for well, like they, they hope to get the number one overall pick. But that aside, whatever ends up happening with the, the draft pick here in the lottery and all of that stuff, it's so hard to know. Because if you look at it, look at what's going on in Sacramento and De'Aaron Fox. And, and De'Aaron Fox has always been really, really good. But boy, he's a he's next level now that he's matured. Think about it. That team went through young pick after young pick. I'm talking about Sacramento went through all of these high draft picks and nobody panned out until Fox came along. And now he's looking like the Alpha Male. You wouldn't have said that two two years ago. You, you know what right. I mean? You wouldn't have said so it's hard to know with these guys being so young. Jabari Smith's so young, Jalen Green. These are young, young kids. And they're still sort of developing. And so it's hard to know in two or three years who's going to be alpha males in this league. We've seen Anthony Edwards sort of explode in Minnesota and go to the next level. I mean, John Morant, who who pretty much hit the ground running. But, you know, a lot of guys take their time to develop. I don't know yet. It's, it's, It's hard to know what you'll have in a couple of years. I know that there are a couple of years, just from a maturity standpoint, from being able to really compete. What do you think about the firing of the coach that they just let go? So we talked about this a lot on KTSU Sports Talk. And, you know, a lot of people said, well, he, you know, it was a loss from the beginning. He he was put in a no-win situation. People don't really remember that Westbrook and Harden were still members of the team when he got hired. In fact, they endorsed him, and then that whole thing fell apart. So I don't I don't think they hired him to fail. I think that what ended up happening was once you blew that team up, you knew, but my whole point of why, while I'm okay, what you know, the reason why I'm okay with him being let go is, and I ask people this all the time: Was that team better at the end of the year? Did you see individual growth at the end of the year from the start of the year? And there was not enough growth, I think. Although they finished kind of strong, I don't think there was enough growth 
where you could see these guys heading in the right direction. They were still on a lot of bad habits, a lot of wasted possessions, a lot of you know dumb basketball decisions, and maybe he just was not the guy to get these young men's attention. Maybe you needed a more veteran coach for such a young team. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't have a problem with him being fired. I, I just think that when you have a team like that, and to your point, you see basketball and you see, you know, these bad decisions. But then I look and I see there's three or four guys that three years from now you hope to have around, right? Right. It, you know, there's three or four of them. If you only got three or four guys three or, three or four years from now that you hope to have, then you're going to have bad basketball right now. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, what do you expect to see when you have a team that you're building but has, you know, just subpar players? You got some pieces but not top pieces. So I don't have a problem with it. I just think that these guys get these jobs. And a rebuild is a rebuild, and you got to see it through. And – the Rockets are nowhere close to where they want to get. They're still two to three years away, and this guy won't get a chance to see that through. And I just hate that for some of these coaches. Yeah, and, and I just think it's so tough in the NBA. And, you know, we sort of uh, talk about this all the time. Another thing that this team and a number of teams around the league suffer from, especially some of the younger teams, is you don't have that veteran presence. You don't have – you had Eric Gordon, but whatever they did, they pissed Eric Gordon off where he was like, nah, these guys ain't trying to hear this. But, you know, and, and of right. course, they, they shipped him off. They, they traded him. But you need that guy like uh, Udonis Haslam in Miami. Yes, sir. You need somebody that they, they can, you know, if if I need to, you know, who's going to check me? If I if I check you, what what you going to say to me? And, and yeah. But at the same time, he showed those guys how to be professionals and how to go about the business of being a professional when you're coming out of high school. You know, these kids are young, man. They're really, yeah. really young, you know, and you have to learn the NBA lifestyle because if you don't, you'll be out of the league here pretty quick. Yeah, I, I, that's part of it. And, uh, you know, you need those KG vets. And I think that's another thing that they didn't do. You know, you you can get some guys who are on their last stretch of the NBA and bring them to a team like the Rockets. To to your point, you're, you're here for basketball. You're here to teach young players how to be professional. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, so that yeah. that happens. So let's talk about on the court. Um, when you look at the situation with the the, the playoffs, uh, I mean, two two Golden State and, and Sacramento, and now it looks like De'Aaron Fox may not play in Game Five. Draymond mm. was ejected. I mean, this is a lot about guys missing or being. Uh, suspended. We had uh, DeJounte Murray who didn't play uh, tonight against Boston and uh, Trey Young said, hey, we didn't need him. Hit that clutch shot at the end of the game. Now that Boston-Atlanta series is going to game six. Um, We've seen uh, other teams do work. Now you have that, of course, uh, uh, the Lakers doing what they're doing. What's standing out to you? Miami and Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, with with, uh, with, uh, uh, Giannis uh, going out at the 
Miami Heat have exploited that situation of him not being healthy. He was back in game, last night in game four. Didn't help because Jimmy Butler playoff, went to the next playoff, level. Playoff Jimmy, man, it's a real deal. And that is a thing with playoff Jimmy, man. When that dog playoff come, that dude show up, man. So let me ask you this. Okay, so now it looks like, say if Golden State goes on, a six seed goes on to beat the three, the three seed, and the seven seed Lakers go on and beat the Grizzlies. I mean, what does that really, you know, what does that say, you know, about the regular season? Because it seems to me, that if you start to have these kinds of upsets, it's just further evidence that it, it's just two different games. You had a regular season and then playoff basketball. It's two different sports almost. Well, well I, I don't necessarily look at it that way. I think it's about health, right? So the Lakers have gotten healthy. Right. You know, so, you know, it, it, um, Milwaukee is not healthy. Johnny Smith is two games. So and, and so it's really about when you're healthy going into the playoffs. There's no doubt in my mind Miami is not up three one if he doesn't if he doesn't get hurt. You know what I mean? If Giannis yeah, it, it a, doesn't, doesn't yeah, get hurt, yeah, right? Yeah, that's a totally different series. Uh, you Kawhi know, Leonard in in Kawhi uh, Leonard, Clippers you know, and, it, against Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah, right. Yeah, so so the Lakers are a much better team if they aren't on low management all year long, and then they have all of these health issues all year long. You know, how many games did LeBron miss? How many games did AD miss? You know what I'm saying? So all of those things factor in. So to me, it's not necessarily does the, uh, you know, the, the regular season matters. But I mean, if you had these 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 road underdogs going into these series, just going in and beating two seeds, and what if a one seed goes down? You know what I mean? And that could happen with with Miami and Milwaukee. It's almost like, you know, okay, it, it almost turns into the swag tournament, and you and you know what I mean about that when it comes to basketball. Texas Southern was horrible in the regular season due to injuries. But they got healthy for the SWAG tournament, end up winning the SWAG and going to the NCAA tournament. I mean, obviously it doesn't negate the regular season totally, but the regular season seems to not have any impact on or, or give you any indication of what's really going to happen in the playoffs. And I think that's a problem for the NBA. Do you, do I, you know, I, I don't know if it's a problem. I think that you can predict that the Lakers – would be in the mix all year long if they were healthy, right? Okay. The fact Point that taken. they w- the, the fact that they weren't healthy, the fact that AD missed how many games? 25, 26, 27? Right, right. Le- Le- LeBron missed. You can predict if AD ain't there or LeBron ain't there, they ain't going to win. So I-, I hear your point and it's well taken, but I think – it's it, you make more of an argument in the NFL with that with than the, than the NBA because the NBA is certainly about players on the court, right? right? Like if you you know where the NFL you can get coaching really becomes a big deal and all of this kind of stuff, but in the NBA if you got LeBron and AD healthy. The Lakers gonna be hell to deal with. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and, but and, but here's what here's my bigger point, and, and sort of if you want to compare sports, and obviously you can't do it, but you think about the drama. Obviously, only you know 17 games in the NFL, but the drama weekend, the, the pendulum swinging from one extreme to the next. You highs the kite. I remember in our conversations on this podcast about Miami coming up big, and then they lose one or two games, and it's like, oh man, the, the sky is falling. You don't have it in the NBA where, I mean, if your team loses in February on a Wednesday night, like, does anybody care? And I think, you know, it seems like back in the 90s, like every night was a night. And I think part of it is because these guys were all available. Now you never know. There, well, there it is. There it is. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. There it is. That, you had guys that were playing every night. Jordan was going to be there. Hey man, Patrick Ewing was thirty five, and it wasn't no such thing as no low low management. Yeah, yeah, and, you and, know, yeah. and he, I, he, you just never know who's gonna him. play. You know, night in and night out, guys. And I think the most frustrating guy when it comes to this is Kawhi Leonard. And it's man. like, man, this is a guy that I love his game. Yes. Think about what he could have been had none of that stuff happened in San Antonio. Where you know he had the the breakup, and even since then he's been so enigmatic. You don't know what's going on. Like, is he really, really hurt? Is he what? What? Like, because he doesn't say anything. Like, right, what do you do man. with him, man? And because I, I, to me, he could rival LeBron as the best Easily. of this Easily. of this era, but he just he's never been able to stay on the court. He's one of those guys. Like when LeBron plays, he's working. Right, when Kawhi is playing, he makes it look so easy, man. Yeah, it's a man, fantastic <laughs> player. We, yeah. We've been robbed of his talents, man. I just frustrated. Yeah, yeah, we've been we've been robbed. I think it's I think it's. I I just hate to to say this, and again, you know, being a principal of a school, man, I. I really struggle for the generations to come, man. I, I'm just, I just, I just got to say, so, man. Uh, I don't believe the children of the future. <laughs> man. So we're going to change those lyrics, huh? Man, I don't we, believe we, the children of the future. No, I mean, it's well, crazy. No, I, what I think what has to happen is we have to get back to some of the principles, right? Right. That we've, like when, when you say that, you know, a guy can, you know, decide that he ain't playing tonight. Yeah. And That's I, unacceptable. I think the NBA is going to, I mean, when they get into that collective bargaining, something's going to change about some of this. I don't know yes. how they're going to do it, but something's going to change because you had these owners and you having a declining interest in the sports regular season. I think the numbers will be up great for the playoffs, but you know. But before we get out of here, no final thoughts before you, we we wrap up here because uh, man, man, we could go on. Tell you, man, I know when we started this, we didn't know where we were going, but this <laughs> has been amazing, bro. Yeah, man, a whole lot of fun, man, no doubt. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, like I said, man, we will uh, check out the NFL draft. Maybe we'll visit next week and uh, see what happens with the the Texans and. With the the greater draft, I think maybe a lot of this stuff is just smoke and mirrors because at the end of the day, they kind of know. You know, I think the media does a lot to to stimulate draft talk because you know you had a long stretch before the NBA playoffs ramped up and just the start of the baseball season. What are you gonna do? You got the Aaron Rodgers trade, okay? There's that, 
<laughs> but also, like, you what have you to hype up the draft. Think, wait, 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 wait. I know you got to run, but what do you think about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets? I just think the AFC is still too tough. I mean, he he's walking to a great situation, and I think he's a guy that is sort of heralded for doing more with less. What happens when you have a guy like Wilson and you had a running back that, that's doing work in that defense? Can can you be? You know, I mean, can you do it when you you know you're the top dog? I mean, obviously he can. He's one of the greats, but at this stage in the AFC. He's going to have a tough time getting out of that division, man. Because think about the games, man. You got two against Miami. You got two against the Buffalo. You still that, got preacher. you still Say got that. New England. New England, I mean, it's going to be a tough out. Even if you, yes. you know, you have yes. to believe at some point they're going to turn it around a little bit. I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback, but obviously they made some changes with the, who's going to do the play calling and all of that stuff. So, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I just think it's too tough in the AFC because if you get past your division, now you still got to look at Kansas City. You still have to look at the L.A. Chargers. You still have to look at, at the Cincinnati Bengals. You still have to look at, I don't know what's going to happen in Baltimore or, or in Cleveland for that matter. So it's going to be tough to come out of the AFC, man. Dang, hey, hey, bro, we need about an hour because now you done brought up Baltimore and Lamar. What do you think about that? Ah man, that, that is a hard deal. I still go back to it, and they will not disagree about this a whole lot. I just, I just think you need that agent. <laughs> I just think you need the agent. You just saw what happened with Jalen Hurts. Now I know if you have a number in your head, an agent is not gonna make a difference. If your number is two hundred million guaranteed, you don't need an agent for that. And I think that's what that's Haywood's point that you don't need an agent when you it's slotted. You know, okay, if this if you know you look at uh, the Kyle Murray, uh, Kyler Murray in in Arizona, if he got this, I'm better than him, so I need to get that. I, I'm and I'm sure Lamar thinks he's better than Deshaun Watson. Obviously, he's been an MVP. He ain't had no off the field stuff. You know, he wants that number, but he has to understand. What Cleveland done, did with the Deshaun Watson contract was was stupid for in other NFL owners because other NFL owners is like are, are like we're not gonna jump off of that bridge because Cleveland did. So I don't know what you do because he he has a number in his head, and if you don't hit that number, he doesn't care about any of the rest of it. So I don't know what they're gonna do. Hey, my dad used to tell me he would cook and. Uh... Me and my brother would eat the chicken wing, and then we would be ready to throw it in the garbage. And he would say, "Hey, it's a lot of meat on that bone right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of meat on that bone right there, man. I mean, you 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 bring up the uh, issue of agent, and then you talk think about well, Tunsil just got the highest uh, became the highest paid uh, offensive lineman without an agent. Yeah." But then at the same time, you think about that, an offensive lineman can do that, but can a quarterback do that, right? Can a black quarterback do well, that? Well, I don't even you know think it's I mean? so, so. No, so I'm I'm with you that I agree with you that he need an agent because you are a black quarterback in the NFL. I don't even think it's that you are a black quarterback. I think it's because quarterback is unique in that it's almost. 
as close to a management position as any player is going to get. I mean, we even saw it in Denver where Russell Wilson had his own office. Well, now they've done away with that. I mean, Sean Payton, right. we ain't doing that shit no more. Exactly. But, but, but the yeah. premise is the same. You knew this. Look, I don't care what happened. Warren Moon was not like y'all. <laughs> he wasn't ownership, Fact. but he wasn't Fact. like y'all. There are players, <laughs> there's management, and then there are quarterbacks. And I think right. you need somebody that can negotiate and navigate through that relationship because that's long-term when you get to be a player like Lamar Jackson that's going to be a, a great quarterback for many, many, many years in this league. So I think not because he's black, but because that quarterback uh. position is something. Man, you think they're going to treat Lamar like they treat Burrow? Well, we'll see what Cincinnati does with Burrow because Cincinnati don't like to spend money either. So, let's see. Let's see. And then you look at the other brothers getting their money. Great point. Great point. Because the the highest paid is still – the most guaranteed is still a brother in Deshaun Watson. But – so and I think that, you know – But but then that's when the caveat comes – uh, uh, Cleveland is a dumpster fire, and the NFL has decided we ain't gonna let Cleveland set the market. We well, but if, if you're an owner, that. okay, let, let's 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 play owner for a minute. If you go out and give somebody two hundred thirty million dollars in guaranteed money, all of it guaranteed, and you're the first one to ever do that at on on that scale, I'm like, man, we not doing, we're not the NBA, we're not doing that. And right. so I think this is a – I can only imagine how, like, the, the Haslam's in, in the NFL meetings, like, nobody wants to talk to them because everybody was pissed off. The Jerry Jones is – like, why are you guaranteeing all this money? We're not doing this. This is not the NBA. We're not We're giving not all this guaranteed that. money. And I think that he reset the market in the NFL saying, no, he didn't because we're not doing right. that. So I think it's more about – the guaranteed portion than anything else because they do not like, they don't like that. Hey man, that's a lot of meat on these bones and I know you got to run. And so I'm going to just let you go and then let it be right there. Cause you know, we can do this all night. right? Here. Yeah, we'll you have know, to do it know, next you, week. Man. You, you done started something. Hey, well, we'll catch up soon, man. And as always, we certainly appreciate your visit. Hey, man, the special teams is something serious, man. You win with special teams, dog. <laughs> no doubt. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. Want to thank Reggie. As always, we certainly appreciate him. Man, what a great conversation. We'll have more conversations like that in the near future. But with that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player team entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. I sort of gave a reference to Dylan Brooks of the Memphis Grizzlies. And not because, not for the reasons you think, Okay. So he is a player, like a lot of guys, you need to have that edge. You need to have that chip on your shoulder to be successful, to make it to the highest level because you don't have the talent. You're not the athlete that other guys are. The thing that got you there is your emotion and your chip and your anger and your nastiness towards your opponent, your desire to win and to demean the opponent if you need to do that. 
And, of course, he goes after LeBron James, which, again, honestly, I don't think LeBron was that worried about it. I, I understand what Dylan Brooks was trying to do. He was trying to get under the skin of a aging LeBron James, saying he's he's old now. And, yeah, maybe it would have been fun to play him in our younger days, but I like to poke the bear. And, of course, he comes out, and then he gets ejected, and then they lose, and he doesn't speak to the media after both of those losses. So, again, I don't have any problem doing what you think you need to do to stay in the league. We know guys like that. We, we, they're guys like Cortland Finnegan in Tennessee, former cornerback. And I, if you don't know who that is, do you remember when Andre Johnson had that fight in the middle of the field? It was with Cortland Finnegan because Cortland Finnegan – and a guy like Lance Stevenson, who played for the Indiana Pacers back in the day, again, against LeBron, they have to try to get under your skin to get you off of your game to be successful. They're not going to outplay you or outperform you. But what they hope to do is derail you from playing your game. And so if his idea was to say to LeBron, oh, you, yeah, I'll respect you when you get 40, and you want – LeBron to be ball dominant and sort of isolate the other guys and get the the Lakers offense, which has been in a rhythm, to get them off of their game, then you you know you stir him up and maybe he'll take the bait and try to get 40 points. And then that way other guys won't be involved and you hope to come out with the win. Even if LeBron gets his 40, it doesn't matter because the other guys can't get going because LeBron was being ball dominant. I understand the thinking behind that. And when it backfires, that's cool. But whatever happens, you have to talk to the media. You put it out there. You want Now you're upset because you're a villain. You want to be a villain. Embrace being a villain. If that's what you are, you got to be it. You can't be kind of a villain. Nobody likes the kind of villain. <laughs> we like villains. I mean, or we hate villains. We love to hate villains. Floyd Mayweather is not kind of a nice guy when it comes to boxing. He's pretty much the bad guy all the time. You can't go halfway. And when it doesn't go your way, you're supposed to be the first one in front of the camera and say, do it again. Beat us again. He ain't going to beat us next time. Whatever you got to say, you don't run from the media. That is a weak, weak move. You look really weak. And then so if you win tonight, what do you go back and speak to the media again? I mean, take your medicine, man. TYC, take your case. You asked for this. You committed the crime, the figurative crime of taunting one of the greatest basketball players in NBA history. You commit that crime, you take the case. You take it and you eat those charges. And you didn't do that. And because, Dylan Brooks, you didn't do that, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> saying is if you're gonna poke the bear when the bear bites you you gotta go in front of the media and say whatever it is you need to say now in the off season or down the road you can say okay yeah that really was a tactic but tonight last night the other night you have to face those cameras yeah you got ejected questionable ejection again if you ask me but nonetheless you were ejected go and talk talk more noise keep talking don't get punked out of talking who, who are you scared of at this point? You playing the man? Obviously, you're not better than he is. What are you scared of? What, what concerns you so much? Just take your case, talk your noise, and, and go down swinging. And he didn't, and it looked really, really weak. That is that. 
I'm about to get out of here. But before I let go, before I let go, before I let go, hey, want to thank Reggie. Want to thank you guys for listening. Want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Want to thank Cobank Holmes and Brighter Brains. Want to remind you, hit us up on the sports line, 832-941-6614. In addition to that, tweet me at Wade's Word. Join the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook and follow me on Instagram, dwade909. And if you can't remember any of that, please, Remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening. <laughs>